What if all you needed to get better in every way was available at the touch of a hand or the sound of a voice or even a vibration? Let's talk about how that happens, who can do it, and where to find them. I'm John Webster, and this is The Hesitant Healer. Okay, welcome to the second podcast of The Hesitant Healer. I'm John Webster. I uh, would like to start with an apology. We put out some of the advertising for this a couple of weeks ago, and we've run into just a snafu of technical difficulties. Mostly, I couldn't get the second mic to work in my garage band. And so, uh, we hired a guy. He's been helping us out. He comes in, and he didn't know much about GarageBand either. So we uh, have learned a little bit here in the last couple of weeks. And today we finally got the second mic to work. So without further ado, let me introduce you to my co-host here on The Hesitant Healer, Lisa Montano. Hey, good morning. How's everybody? I guess hello is better, not good morning. Hello, everybody. Uh, It's good to be here finally. Uh, Lisa is my sidekick in business. Uh, We are going to tell the story of Lisa here today. Uh, We are going to also talk about or segue into why a person would want to look into alternative healing. And Lisa's story is a great example of this. So let's go into full disclosure. We'll start our journey in the year of 1980. <laughs> we both graduated from high school in two different places. Uh, Lisa K, I call her Lisa K. Okay, let's talk about this. Yes. I have, I think I mentioned in the last podcast, I have a vortex of Lisa's. My wife's name is Lisa. So in order to segment out and to identify each to one. identify and ensure that there were no mix-ups, Lisa Montano is referred to as Lisa K. I call her Lisa K. So Lisa K. and I's journey started in the year of 1980 when we both graduated from high school, and my first job out of high school was at Disneyland. And I was a cook there because I had gotten into fast food for a number of years, and that's what made sense. And uh, I was a cook at a place called Space Place in Tomorrowland. It's currently where Space Mountain is. Underneath Space Mountain, there used to be a restaurant there, and then it was Captain EO, and then it was Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, and now I don't know what it is. It's been so long since I've been there. But if you walk a, a a few short steps... From there to the middle of Tomorrowland, you come upon Coke Terrace. Coke Terrace is where the stage pops up out of the ground next to the submarines. And there is a super secret underground tunnel where the cast gets to walk on stage and off stage. And underneath Tomorrowland Terrace, besides a giant warehouse and storage unit, is where the break room for all the employees are. And it is there that I met Lisa Kay at the tender young age of 18. Uh, We became friends. We were friends for a long time. And then there was about a, what, 35-year-old split? Something like that, yeah. And uh, at the time, Lisa Kay was involved in a not-so-optimal marriage. And I had begun my journey as a healer. I think we had just finished with 
my Lisa's cancer, which will be an entirely different podcast. And so I was I had begun the the hardcore journey of healing and learning about alternative healing, and that's about when uh, Lisa K found me on Facebook and we started talking. It was in that time frame that there was a lot of. Um, I would say crying and gnashing of teeth. Um, <laughs> I think that's a nice way to put it. Yeah. Okay. The crying and gnashing of teeth over her marriage that was uh, pretty hopeless at this point. She had three children at this point. She was not happy at this point. I uh, had fashioned myself a, as a bit of a relationship healer. But a lot of what I was talking about to her at the time was falling on deaf ears. And in my memory, and please correct me if I'm wrong, in my memory, what happened then was I told her, I can't help you if you're not going to leave him or if you're not going to change anything, so I think we're done here. Is that fair? It's true. Yep. So, I cut her off and I stopped talking to her. Not to be mean, but because, uh, and I have this, uh, this quote hanging in my office, before you heal someone, ask them if they are willing to let go of the things that caused them to be sick in the first place. And this was the case for Lisa Kay. I think it took another two to three years, correct? It's about two years, yeah. Two years, and uh, she reached out again, and I asked her if she was done. She said she was done with him. She had moved out. And now I'm going to defer to her and let her tell you what caused that. Okay. So, I'm going to preface all of this with... um, My story involves a medical story. So, I'm going to preface it with... uh, I grew up in a generation who, if your physician said something, you you did it. You just blindly followed it. And unfortunately, part of my journey uh, was following uh, doctor's advice and not, again, please hear me, I don't think that you should not follow doctor's advice. I just think that perhaps you should do it with uh, your eyes open, and I did not. So, um I am a runner. I've been a runner for uh, a lot of my life. Um, John's been a runner a lot of his life as well, and that's kind of uh, one of the things that we connected over a long time ago. Uh, When you are a runner, uh, especially a woman, a lot of times what happens is you have what's called bladder prolapse. Your bladder starts to drop because of the pressure of the on the ligaments that hold up your bladder. So, I had had a a sling put in uh, years before this, and uh, like that, like they do, they they it failed, and so I was back to square one. Went to my doctor, and she said, "Oh, well, that's easy. We'll just put another one in." And I and these were mesh slings. These correct? are mesh slings. So like, let me let me jump in here for a second. This is mesh, and it's the current technology that's used for. Uh, things like this, where there are bladder prolapses or there are herniations in the stomach linings, and it, it literally is a mesh. It's a, a they try and make it a biological piece, but for the most part, I don't think they're plastic anymore. But there is a tissue that they use to put on top of the tear or the uh, misalignment of whatever the ligament is, and. They stitch it in and then allow the body to grab onto it and adhese. And in that adhesion comes the fix for the tear or the hole in the lining of whatever. Okay, go ahead. Okay. 
So uh, I, she said, go ahead, we'll just put another one in. And I, I said, so do we take the first one out? And she said, oh, no, 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 we just leave that. We'll just put another one in. So that was mesh over mesh. Mesh over mesh. Ugh. Inside a little tiny part of your body. So, and, and where was this on your body, Lisa? Uh, so they, they do, uh, the surgery is arthroscopic. And so it is way below your bikini line. So there's... Um, four incisions, two right below your bikini line, and then they do two actually vaginally, and that's how they uh, insert it. Yes. And this was this is on the right side of your body near the bladder or on the bladder? Well, it, it is um, where the accident is, is on the right side. Where they put it is, is equal. It's, you know, right down the middle. So, uh, they do it laparoscopically. Uh, there were some incisions. Uh, they One of the things that they uh, insert while they're doing the surgery is a small camera, just so that they can make sure everything's going really well. Uh, what they did on this surgery was... Is it is it kind of like the Lost in Space? It is. Lost it, it is. in Vaginal Space. You know what? It's more like, um, what was... Uh, through the microscope. Remember? Through the microscope. <laughs> through the microscope. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Except in your vagina. <laughs> right. Okay. Got it. So, um, the last thing that they pull out is uh, a the small camera. And so, they, they were done with my second surgery. They pulled the camera out. They sent me to recovery. Everything was normal. Uh, the- but wait, there's more. <laughs> The, the very nice nurse who was in my recovery, uh, I was anxious to go home, and he said, oh, but don't you want some painkiller? And I said, sure. So, he gave me a very big shot of Dilaudin, which um, is pretty darn good stuff. That's an opiate, correct? It is an opiate. It's okay. a very strong opiate. Uh, so, I went home. Uh, fell asleep on my couch in my living room, which was probably a really good thing in hindsight. Uh, I woke up about four hours later on the couch. Uh, I'm in horrific pain. I in so much pain where I can't really think straight. And I looked about seven months pregnant. And I'm not putting two and two together. And you were a little high still. I'm still really high. Exactly. Um, my daughter was there and she called the nurse and the nurse said, gosh, you know what? Not sure, but why don't you have her get into the car and we'll... Uh, come to ER. So, I get up off the couch and I passed out cold on the living oh, room floor. Oh, no. Yeah. Um, I, I don't remember a lot. Uh, there are a few little blurbs that I get. Um, I, the fire department came first, taking my blood pressure. She does remember the fireman. <laughs> I do. I do. They took my fire, they, the fire people took my fire, per, no, I'm, they took my blood pressure and it was, I, I can remember hearing this, it was like two over 10 or something. And my thought was, this is where I die. I die right here on my living room floor. Um, my boys, I have two sons and a daughter, and my boys were living in San Diego uh, at that time. And I had this very clear thought, I guess I don't get to say goodbye to Kyle and Nick. And instead of crushing or depressing or sad it was just very calm so i did i get that experience that's uh we can have a whole nother podcast about that experience but that's that makes a lot of sense it uh, Uh, have you told us what what caused that yet 
No, no. So okay. I, uh, I'll, I'll speed this story up a little. So what happened is while they were pulling the camera out of uh, my innards, uh, they nicked the top of my bladder, Aye. and I went home. Uh, there were, had when they released me, there was no visual, uh, there was no visible change in my blood so pressure. So nobody saw it. Nobody saw it. No, everything was really normal as far as they were concerned. Sent me home. Everything's great. Uh, I get to ER, and they're very calm at first, and then they start rushing around. You know? <laughs> me- meanwhile, somebody figured out you'd been hemorrhaging for hours, and it was a surgical accident. Correct. Correct. Um, I stayed uh, in the hospital for several days. Uh, they they were not sure if they should remove the hematoma, if they should leave the hematoma. What did they do? They left the hematoma, and it was about the size of a girl's softball. That's giant blood clot, folks, just in case you don't know. Yes, and it was so big. That's Having a blood clot doesn't necessarily cause the pain, but what was happening is it's pushing against all the nerves. The swelling. Yep. There, yep. So there it it was pushing up against the new uh the new mesh I had. It was pushing up against my bladder and it was pushing against the urogenital nerve which runs Good girl, you remember. Yes. You. Runs all the way down your leg. So the the result of leaving that very big hematoma is that every time I took a step, I felt pain, sharp, sharp knife-like pain all the way down my leg. So let's let's stop there for a second because I'm going to add the next part because I know you want to go into the running part. But mm-hmm. there's an emotional processing here that was also critical and important to us uh, finding each other and working with each other again. And uh, I'll, I'll let her tell it. But when you woke up, what happened? So when I woke up in uh, the hospital... Uh, it was late. Uh, we hadn't gotten to the hospital until probably five o'clock, six o'clock, and by the time they figured everything out and uh, got me to a room, it was ten thirty uh, in the evening, and that's past visiting hours. And the nurse came in, and my ex-husband was there, and uh, they have those guardrails up. And and he was your current husband at he, the time, right? He was my husband at that moment. Uh, they had those little guardrails ra- up, so I didn't roll out of bed. Um, he had his arms up against over on top of the guardrail, and he's looking at me. And you know, you've been married for a while; you you can pretty much read your partner's mind. And at this point, how long had you been married? Uh, Twenty five years. Okay. Yes. So uh, he, they had finally got me stabilized. Uh, it was clear that I wasn't going to die at that moment, and I looked at him, uh, and I and I could tell that he was disappointed uh, that I didn't die. Seriously, you looked at him and you knew that. Yeah. yeah. Tragic. Right. Tragic. And if if memory serves, this is ten years since that accident. A couple days ago was ten years. Yeah. It is. It's ten years ago. Yeah. So she wakes up and she looks at him, and it's clear that he's really not happy that she's not dead. And what happened in your head then? I think at that moment I clicked off. I I just I decided you know what um, enough is enough. Uh, years of being in a in a difficult relationship and struggling to make it work and it was clear to me that I was never going to be 
enough. And so... So that's when you decided to leave him. That's when I decided to leave him. So in, a, in and about that time frame, kids, is when uh, when she gave me a call back after all this had happened and I heard this story and, uh, and we started talking again. And she uh, moved out. She found some accommodations. She started uh, living and changing her life a little bit at a time. And I was at a point in my career where I had a lot of things going on, but I was pretty disorganized. And it turns out one of her magical traits is that she is administratively gifted. And so I was sending uh, papers that needed to be typed up or computer stuff that I didn't understand. And she, at least Kay, was helping me out. And so one of the things that happened was she would call early on and say... Well, I would. I had been to every doctor in the entire world uh, post surgical accident. Uh, everyone involved in the health system that I was enrolled in, I had seen uh, gynecologists and urogynecologists and physical therapists and nurse practitioners. And um, I used to joke that everybody had seen my uh, had seen me naked except for the janitor and I think Every, he was next. Everybody'd seen your junk. That's what, that's what you're trying to say. <laughs> that's really what I'm trying to say. Um, so everybody had uh, been trying to fix me and finally I get to the top expert that they had and and he said, "Well, here it is. You're never going to walk without pain." No. Seriously? Yeah. Seriously, you're never going to walk without pain. Uh, you will. You won't be able to run, uh, so take you, that out. You know, later on in this podcast, when I get more tech-savvy, I'm going to have little buttons. And at that point, I would push a button that says, that's bullshit. <laughs> so, they offered me, like, uh, they said, you know, we could try to, to use some Botox injections, but we're really not sure Bo- that's going to work. Botox for what? Uh, they would have... Put Botox into the nerve that was hurting. Into How the- would they have done that? Vaginally. They stick a needle inside your vagina. Right. And then, then they said, we're not really sure we'll find the nerve. And if wait, we- wait, wait, wait. A needle full of Botox <laughs> yes. inside your vagina. Yes. And uh, we're not sure we'll find the nerve. By and- the way, needle full of Botox is playing Coachella this way, <laughs> this year, I think. Yeah. I can't wait to see them. Okay. Um, uh, we're not sure we'll find the nerve, and if we do, we're not really sure it's going to work. And and then I—that's when I said, no, I, I, I well, de- good for you. I decided that perhaps they didn't have all the answers. Meanwhile, I'm getting phone calls that sound like this. <laughs> the, the doctor said I'm never going to run again, and I'd say, you know, I can fix that, and she'd say. But the doctor said... Yeah, and this is where I push the bullshit button again. And I and so we had this conversation several times. She'd call, call crying. I, I can't run. It hurts. They say I should make a game out of this. They want to put needles in my vagina. And I'd be like, you know, I can fix that. And she'd say, no, 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 no. <laughs> so eventually what happened is I talked her into coming down here. I, I don't remember why she came. There may have been a wedding or some such thing that she wanted to come down. I said, just give me a, a, a couple tries. Let me work on this a little bit. Because I am aware that externally, visceral manipulation, insert Baral Institute here, visceral manipulation is a thing that can possibly help with a mesh biological and surgical issue. And so I had her come in. And after one treatment, there was a drastic difference, drastic difference in her pain levels. And she kind of perked up and went, 
maybe this can help. And after a couple treatments, I was able to manipulate that mesh around that nerve so that it was no longer enmeshed or adhesed to that nerve and the fibers of the nerve or the covering of the nerve. And it alleviated most, if not all, of her pain and the pain signaling mechanisms that were traveling from her nether regions down to her feet. And she was able to walk again and to run again. Now, again, we're going to get into how I got there, but I will, I will give you some of the story, and that is dissection classes are one of the things that allowed me to know what those tissues looked like underneath the skin and to understand and differentiate through touch the differences between what a meshed area looks like and what a non-meshed area looks like, what a nerve feels like and what a nerve entrapment feels like and where the blood supply, the nerve supply, muscles, tendons, and ligaments are in that lower right quadrant. You know, it turns out and we did not do internal work, but she was able to feel this, that a corner of the mesh was actually sticking, if not through, at least so that she could feel it into her vaginal tract as well. So we're talking about a little less than one inch square piece of some kind of plastic type material that was embedded onto this minor tear where they cut into her bladder. And the corner of that was sticking adhesed to the femoral urogenital nerve and also poking through her vaginal canal. Ouch, right? No wonder she hurt every time she was taking a walk. But through visceral manipulation, this is on the outside, over the skin, being able to palpate and feel where that mesh was and feel the different areas of tissue under the skin, I was able to manipulate that mesh through that maze of adhesion and pull it off of that nerve and away from the vaginal canal so that there was no more pain. This is not the kind of thing they teach in massage school. This is far from it. So when I talk about I had a variety of tools in my toolbox to help people get better, Lisa Kay is pretty much ground zero for this as far as being able to talk to people and understand how they got better and what I did to make them better. Now, the follow-up to this, and I learned this through my own body and a couple of other people that I worked on prior to her early on in my career, is that... Nothing takes 100% the first try usually, right? It's like a rubber band. If I can make it this big, I'm holding my hands out past my shoulders, and now I'm moving my hands closer together, I can make it this big, this big, this big, and eventually it can go away. But what tends to happen is a rubber banding effect because there's a lot of elasticity in the skin and tendons and areas that we're talking about. In that elasticity, when we make adjustments and movements, there's going to be a, a slinging back of sorts in those materials. They may not always go back 100%. And in my experience, they don't always go back 100%. So if I can make it, and I'll tell people this all the time, if I can make it a little bit better, I can make it a lot better. Mm -hmm. And if I can make it a lot better, I can usually make it go away 100%. True. Now, here's where I'm going to tread lightly because I'm not interested in, in pissing off or making an enemy of the medical profession, Western medicine especially. But what I can say is that 
if Western medicine can't cut it or throw a pill or a shot at it, they're usually not interested in making it better because they can't. They're bound by parameters of their own profession that do not allow them to deal with such a thing. The other problem with that type of medical attention is that the profession is so segmented out these days that if you have a knee problem and a hip problem or a gut problem, you may end up with two or three different physicians. Mm -hmm. I will give you a quick example. In my first visceral class, as a side segment, the teacher said he was talking about the cecum, and he says, oh, by the way, he flippantly said this. Uh, unbeknownst to him, I had somebody in my profession that I was working on that had this exact thing in it, so it lit me up like a, like a powder keg. He says, if you have somebody, a, a female from 12 to 15, who has a medial knee injury, a nagging medial knee injury that won't go away, check the cecum. And then he goes on to describe how, I think he said 23, I may have that backwards in it, maybe 32. He said, but 32% of females have a webbing between the three ligaments that hold the cecum in place. Webbing is between one and two, and between one and two, a nerve to the medial knee transcends through there, and sometimes in that 32%, uh, it webs up and it catches the nerve. And so what's happening is as they walk, it's yanking on the nerve down near the knee and it's just a persistent nag. So if you go up into the cecum and you find those ligaments and you loosen those ligaments up and do some work on them, you can loosen that knee up because the, the mylar sheaths uh, tend to be a little harder in tissue. And when they're, adhesed, they yank, right? It's not like a rubber band. It's more like a hard wire. I tend to call this area of our body the wiring harness, right? And I'll, I'll be dipped if I didn't go work on that person and this got better. Since then, and this was a number of years ago, I'm going to say almost 15, um, a number of years ago, I've maybe come across two of those, maybe, uh, but they're absolute 100% fixes when you do find those persons. And I've, I've done that several, several times over my career as I've found these little tidbits and golden nuggets of amazing knowledge of the body and the internal mechanism of the body and what connects the body together. If you learn how all that stuff works, folks, and you learn how to manipulate it and you learn how to make it work and you learn how to palpate it and work with your client, you can make them a lot better. Now, I want to seg into um, how Lisa's problem, Lisa Kay's problem, was not just physical. There was also an emotional quality to it. And until she was willing to get out of the thing that was making her sick, she was not going to be able to fix the other thing, the physical thing that was making her hurt. And those two, a lot of times, tend to go hand in hand. Oh, I, I promised myself I would talk about this early in my podcast. I am not a talk therapist. I have not been to school for talk therapy. I was in therapy for a long time. That doesn't qualify me to be a therapist. Mm. However, I am very good at 
open-ended questioning and understanding the answers to those questions and being able to process follow-up questions, which may have a pertinence to the physical anomaly that they have going on. Depression is a real thing. PTSD is a real thing. Living a hard life with a lot of stuff has physical things attached to it. And if you come in looking for a fix and you want me to be your pill, I'm probably not going to be able to help you. But if you come in looking for a fix and you're willing to look at everything that your life is, I may be able to help you. And a lot of what can help you is going to be what you do for yourself. I can do a lot of physical manipulation. You're going to have to do the work on yourself. What do you got to say, Lisa Kay? Um, there's some great authors that that both John and I have read and lots of our friends have read. Um, one of them would be Bessel van der Kamp. Um, Kolk. Kolk. Besser Vandal Kolk. Sorry. Um, who wrote a wonderful book called The Body Keeps, Keeps the, the Score. score. Uh, there's another wonderful lady that I love to follow, uh, especially on Instagram. Her name is Sean Korn, and she ta- she's a, a yoga therapist, yoga for trauma therapist. And they both would tell us that every injury has some sort of emotional com- component to it, correct? Even if you just cut your finger with a knife. There's, uh, you cut your finger with a knife and there's, oh my gosh, and there's blood and there's a, a, a panic and the, the finger heals, but did you get rid of that emotion that came with it? Uh, Sean Korn says that when we have a, a trauma, no matter what, it's like your body takes Polaroid picture. Uh, it is all the way down to cellularly what is happening to you. Um, the, the release of chemicals and your breathing rate and your heart rate and your body takes picture of that. When you get to something close to that, your body pulls out p- that picture and goes, oh, I know what to do with this. And so you relive that um, emotion that came with the uh, injury. My particular injury had uh, all sorts of Entanglements, right? It had a uh, it had a bad marriage going badder, <laughs> going worse. Um, it had panic. It had uh, financial loss. It had all sorts of things all wrapped into it. And until I was ready to let all of that stuff go, there was always going to be a little bit of the physical pain involved. And you may not get rid of this uh, 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 Entirely. PTSD is full of that, depending on the Mm -hmm. severity of the trauma. And everybody processes this a little bit different. My take on this that I use a lot, again, I'm using my hands and it's hard for you to see, but uh, you're in a car and the car is out of control and you got the steering wheel and nothing's working right and you're spinning and you're moving and you're trying to make the car work and it doesn't work and then bam, you hit the guardrail and the airbag goes off and there's smoke and there's steam and you're injured and you hurt and you're still spinning and oh my God, what's going on? My car, my insurance, and then you come to a stop, right? And when I do this, I have my hands apart and when I get to the bam part, I clap my hands together and then I pull my hands apart. And what I say is, in that first part where you're making the car trying to work for you, that's conscious processing. In the second part, after you hit the guardrail where the car is moving around in circles and circles and you stop and you're hurt, that's conscious processing. But where the car hit the guardrail 
where the airbag ran off and broke your nose, where your wrist was broken, where the seatbelt injuries happened, where your liver was crammed up against your ribs, all of the things that happened physiologically in that accident that caused damage, your brain did not have time to process that damage. It was too busy trying to make the car work and too busy worrying about the insurance. And so it's in that space that oftentimes years later, somebody comes in and we get to the issue that I can feel in their neck with a severe whiplash. And they never went to the hospital, but they had a headache for three days. And when we access that, usually through cranial sacral therapy or some kind of uh, verbal processing, they get to the area of the accident in their head and the brain's like, I don't know what happened. And so our physical touch, my physical touch as a, as a conduit of energy, electricity, biology, whatever you want to call it, but through touch and through conscious processing of that touch and their imaging of what happened that comes out of their brain can now lock into the damaged area. I'm touching it. The brain is lit up. There's some kind of magical quality that when the brain goes, oh, okay, now I know what happened. That person can now become part of their healing and the brain is now on board with the body. And I find that it heals a lot faster when that happens. Now, let's talk about some anomalies here because I also see this and feel these all the time. Same car accident and injury. You're spinning around, you're spinning around. Except in this case, there's a baby in the car. So while you're spinning, you're not worried about the car. You got your arms off that steering wheel and you're trying to save that baby. And spiritually, you're not even in your body because you're doing whatever you can to protect that child. So when you hit the guardrail, bam, you weren't there. So not only does your brain not know you were there, your psyche or your spirit doesn't know you were there either because you were too busy doing something else. Does that make sense? You get that? Mm -hmm. There's also anomalies that have to do with drugs and alcohol, right? And different alcohols I've found. And if I didn't say it in the first podcast, I'm John. I am an alcoholic. In fact, I just celebrated my 29th year of sobriety. Um, and in that, in fact, I got into this specifically to try and cure or heal alcoholism, which is how I got into this in the first place. Whole nother story. But I, I do know alcohol. And I do understand that a, a wine high is different than a whiskey high is different than a tequila high. Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> and 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 your body and your brain in those spiritual developments, they are spirits in those uh, consciousnesses. I think I made that word up. In those <laughs> consciousnesses of different highs in the brain, there are going to be different responses, mechano responses, uh, physical responses, the old. Uh, Drunk does a TC rollover with three or four rollovers and gets out and walks away. And a normal guy does a TC rollover and knows everything's happening and everything in his body's broken, right? It's how your body responds or doesn't respond to that kind of trauma. So, drugs, alcohol, uh, emotional responses, kids in the car, fire, whatever, 
each one of those is going to have a different response mechanism in how the body responded to that trauma in the first place. And we could go into all kinds of different things. Again, these will be different podcasts as we go farther on, and you learn to trust me on some of these things. But uh, childhood trauma, childhood sexual trauma, childhood physical trauma, childhood verbal trauma, childhood multiple trauma, childhood abandonment. Each one of those has their own little take in English on the, on the traumatic ball, right? War, big, big deal, right? Parental fighting, parental divorce, big, big deal. Multiple traumas compounded over time, big, big deals. And each one of those gets held in the body, in the tissues, in a different way. And each one needs to be released in kind with the body, mind, and spirit in play as well. And I tend to do that very well. And we will talk about my qualifications of how I got there in future podcasts. But I'm also here to tell you, I know people who do a lot of these same things and they do it differently and they do it in effective ways. And I want to bring some of these people in and have some Zoom meetings with them and some phone calls with them and hear about how they do it. And I will promise you that once we learn how to do this on the computer, this will be some of the future podcasts we have. Uh, let me seg back into Lisa Kay. What else you got? Are you running the today? Do you run today? I do. I do. I, I, I had a little foot surgery in August, but I uh, two weekends ago, both John and I uh, went to Las Vegas and ran a 10K. Las with, Vegas, baby. Super fun. If, if you're a runner, I highly recommend it. They shut down uh, Las Vegas Strip and you run it at night. The, and ro the rock and roll series. Very cool. Uh, so yes, I, I run. Um, I run a lot. It is my, um, I tell people who say, gosh, I hate to run. You know, it's my prayer time. It's my meditation. It's uh, what keeps me fairly sane. So uh, super thankful that for 10 years now, it's been 10 years. And how about your pain level? How's your pain level where your mesh is? Uh, zero. Uh, I think, but it does come back, correct? We talked about the rubber band, right? Um, I think at the very first we did two or three, and that was it. And uh, and then we were kind of at like I needed monthly, you, just a little bit of a, an adjustment. Um, uh, then it kind of every six months. I think it's been a year or so since we. Uh, that sounds about right. Since we've done an adjustment, um, I and it's doing great. Uh, no pain at all. Uh, nothing that I even notice anymore, which is huge blessing and such a difference. But um, one thing I did want to say is uh, almost every day, almost every day, somebody comes in to our office and uh, they'll sit down. And one of the things that John does before he works on someone for the first time is he, he always says, tell me your story. And uh, oftentimes they kind of don't take it aback. They're not quite sure because has anybody, last time you went to the doctor, did the doctor ever say to you, tell me your story? That's a really good point. Um, so every day somebody comes in and I'm going to tell you that uh, while they're telling their story, they, f they, they usually say that the very people that they've been going to, and it's uh, almost all. Every time it's multiple medical professionals that they have been to, and they will say that the very people that they've been seeking help from just don't listen. You know, the, I think the key... To, what? <laughs> very good. The, the key to 
total healing, which is what we're all looking for. Um, the key to total healing is that listening factor, is putting it all together. Um, it's the human connection, folks. Exactly. It's it's. I want to be heard. I want to be listened to. I hurt and nobody's listening. You don't know what this is like. I, I, I nobody will listen to me, and I and I don't understand what the problem is. Mm-hmm. And almost every time, uh, it's a easy, quick fix. You know, um, when when someone comes in and they they say, "Gosh, I've I've been hurting for months, and I'm waiting to get into the orthopedic surgeon," and they tell me this and they tell me that, and then they go in and John works on them for you know just a little bit of time, and they walk out and they are shocked and amazed. Oh my God, I can't believe I'm better. Uh, it is. And not that John is magic, even though people tell him he has magic hands. Um, Aww. <laughs> uh, it, it is everything. You know, we, as humans, we are mind, body, spirit. And when we heal things that way, when you incorporate all of it, it makes a huge difference and it makes true, real healing uh, available and uh, possible. So. Yep, absolutely true. I mean, that's my day-to-day. And, you know, it it didn't happen overnight. It took some time. I needed to find some different tools. I went to lots of different classes. I'm always interested in trying new and different things. I think I said in the first one, when I found that first dissection class with Gil Headley, it it blew my world up. When I went to the second one with Julian Baker, it it, it solidified the fact that this thing that we live in, this vessel, this, this human bondage that we're in, made of tubes and wires and pipes and gas and bones and blood and tissue there's so many more things to learn and and if you get to the bottom of it we can help each other a lot because there's a lot of things that can be done in this world in this realm with people who are not quote unquote normal medical professionals that can help us get to where we want to get so that we can find hope or less pain, or, or just a comfortable life, again. And it is totally available to anybody who's willing to venture out there and try something different. I think that's about all we have time for today. I, I really like the way this went. Um, I hope we got all the technology to work correctly. I will say, uh, and I hate to be this guy, people, but like and subscribe. The more that you push buttons that say you like us or you subscribe to us, the bigger we're going to get and we'll get the word out. And I promise you some fun and funny and interesting content. And here's the other thing. I am not a guru. No, 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 don't contradict me. I'm not a guru. However... A lot of times, I come off and feel like I'm right. I've lost jobs for that. I've lost relationships for that. Lisa K yells at me all the time for that. <laughs> Listen, I am not infallible. And uh, I think we will find a way to put up an area in which you can put comments. No, we do. And, and in those comments, I'm not promising I'm going to get back to you, but I will read them. And I would like to hear what you have to say. And if we have a controversial piece of information that you want to banter about, I am interested in doing that. 
as long as you understand this is my podcast and I'm always right. <laughs> so, as a side note, yes, John is always right, but uh, we have a Facebook group page uh, just called The Hesitant Healer where you can leave comments, uh, make suggestions about things you'd like to hear about. Also, listen, I got zero tolerance for bullshit. When it comes to that kind of stuff, if if there's going to be negative comments, if we're going to do some infighting, if we're going to play Facebook games, I will delete you. I have no issue doing that. You know, it is not a political forum. It is not a, uh, again, no bullshit kind of thing. But if you want to know about uh, frozen shoulders, say, you know, like, I'd like to hear you guys talk about frozen shoulders. Oh, yeah, yeah. If you have some ideas or some comments or some some questions about, hey, you know, my grandma has this or whatever, throw it on there and maybe we can turn it into a podcast and discuss it. Right. So we'll do a letter of the day, a letter of the week. Yeah. <laughs> Brought to you by. <laughs> so, um, yeah, and we're very excited and uh, it's a great journey to be on with you guys. So thanks again. Yep. Thank you for listening and have a wonderful, beautiful day. Bye. Say bye. Bye. Bye.